Simply Abundant Intuitive Hour, The Journey of Attachment, a special series that takes a deep dive into the topic of insecure attachment and why you can't let go. Here's Tracy Crossley. Here are some labels. Avoidant, anxious, anxious avoidant, preoccupied, dismissive, Uh, I don't know if I've covered all of the insecure attachment labels because there's plenty. Ambivalent, there's another one. Anyways, yeah, insecure attachment is an interesting thing, isn't it? Well, I have done a lot of work myself in that arena in terms of my own crap, right? If you've listened to my podcast, you know that it has been overwhelming in so many parts of my life. And in the recent years, obviously, I've been able to overcome it, right? So anyways, there's things like people pleasing that uh, seem to also be going on, narcissistic parents or a narcissistic environment. And the thing is, is that all of this is related. Gaslighting and having people gaslight you, right? And most of us are like, what is gaslighting? And gaslighting is where you don't trust your own feelings and what you're experiencing, right? Somebody else is telling you it's not true or you're wrong or you need to give up those feelings. And a lot of us are afraid of that because maybe we went through that as kids. Perhaps we have a lot of self-doubt. A lot of us who had narcissistic parents, we have a lot of self-doubt and we don't trust ourselves in that way, right? In the whole gaslighting way. But we also don't trust ourselves when it comes to the predictability of life and being able to make a decision that makes sense. We might feel guilt, shame, and fear, and we hide out and we don't want, you know, we fly under the radar, right? We don't want anybody to see us. And so along with all of this, what a nice sandwich, right? Comes the whole feeling of no matter how much we've achieved, we feel a sense of lack of value. So I'm saying all of this because guess what? I am doing the kick-ass boot camp, yeah. Kick-Ass Bootcamp. It is what the Anxious Avoidant Group used to be, but I realized that that isn't just the core issue. There's so many things that are related, right? A lot of my clients have been bullied. A lot of my clients are highly sensitive. They feel like they've been different. Um, These are all things that I think most people feel, but not all of this and not as intensely and not to the point where it's disruptive in your life and your relationships. And so I have the Kick-Ass Bootcamp starting in November. I have a couple people signed up and as soon as I get to an amount of people that I feel comfortable starting with, we're going to start. But don't tell yourself you can't do it if you're struggling, if you're in pain, if you're listening to the podcast hundreds of times a week. Seriously, do the boot camp. We have different payment plans so that you can absolutely afford to do this. In fact, you can't afford not to do it if you're in pain. I have watched people turn into, not necessarily someone else, but turn into somebody who actually is trusting themselves, right? Who has clarity about what they're doing and where they're going. And that's been in 10 weeks. So anyways, I want to keep this short. Email Nicole at TracyCrossley.com if you're interested. It's also on my website under Kick-Ass Bootcamp. You can get there from my homepage or uh, I don't even know what the URL is, so I won't bother you with that. But You basically can find it there. You can find it on the services page. And I think that's it. So anyways, you guys, on with the podcast. Thanks for tuning in. 
Hey there, how y'all doing? I am doing well, and this is going to be a long podcast. So you may have already noticed that when it downloaded for you, right? Uh, yeah, this is a long one, and anything I probably do around this topic of narcissism might end up being long. I really haven't delved too much into it, but I feel like it's such a big part of the journey of attachment. So, yeah. So here we are. Woohoo! This is number 405. And journey of attachment, my parent or parents is or are a narcissist. Yeah. So I started writing my second book. Um, I already finished my first one. And who knows, by the time you guys hear this, I may have a publisher for it. But at this moment, my literary agent is shopping it with different publishers and, um, and I'm excited, but I've already started on my second book, which is called The Accidental Asshole. And it's all about us ambivalent, anxious, avoidant, disordered types, you know, whatever you want to throw out there as far as insecure attachment. And except, you know, I guess if you were just a straight up anxious, but usually people that are anxious, at least the ones I come across, have an avoidancy of emotional intimacy. Like they don't really connect at the deeper level. Uh, neediness is not emotional intimacy, right? So whatever. But the point is, most of us get mistaken for assholes at some point or other, and we're not assholes. And the reason for this is, in most cases, we had a narcissistic parent, or a narcissistic step parent, or a narcissistic, you know, uh, maybe mom or dad had a boyfriend or girlfriend. And, you know, maybe we had a single parent who never was with anybody, they were a narcissist. Or maybe somebody else, a caregiver of some other nature, babysitter, um, you know, people in our environment that could get close enough to us to actually have an impact, and that would be as a narcissist. And for many of us, this reinforcement we got from either one or both parents is reflected in our inability to handle feelings, and it can feel like engulfment and can lead to lots of shame and pain as an adult, Right. Because the feelings, it's like, oh, keep those nasty things away, please, right? So with me, it was painful as I have heard from every therapist that I ever went to that my mother was a narcissist and perhaps my father too. And it's not that I'm going, oh my God, they're horrible people. It was a survival mechanism for each of them, right? It's just where they ended going to, okay? And and so it's painful. And it's not something where I'm like, yeah, my mom's a narcissist, woohoo! No, it's not like that. It's more, for me, it was more about looking at the characteristics and the things that transpired because of the impact of it, okay? And that was where I wanted to be because I didn't want to be a victim of it. Okay, and so I say all these things because we can tend to victimize ourselves, but I'm more so looking at, okay, well, then that created certain strategies and certain characteristics that don't actually belong to me or belong to you. They've just been coping mechanisms, right? So, you know, for many of us who had one or both parents that had, you know, or were narcissistic or whoever it was in your life, right? And the thing is, is that that inability it's one of the things where 
we've thought there's something wrong with us that brings us a lot of shame or guilt, right? So I look at what I grew up to become and, you know, how these issues were reflected in my relationships all around me. And I'm, and then when I would hear this, I would ask, you know, like when a, a therapist would say, oh, yeah, your mom's a narcissist. And, and on the one hand, you'd feel a sense of relief. But on the other hand, it's like, okay, what the fuck do I do with that, right? <laughs> Great, but what can I do to change the result? Blaming somebody and going through your life blaming somebody and not being able to do something for yourself is useless. It doesn't help anything. And so that became my work in so many ways, you know, for decades. That's really what had happened. So, you know, I don't usually like to focus on the person or the people who are at cause for our conditioning because they're not solely responsible, but they're definitely a major part of the equation. I prefer to look at what can I do. And even in the case of our parents having that much impact, they were blindly doing what they're doing. It's not like they had the self-awareness to know. And, And yeah, there are some that do, some that really were very angry at life and very angry at everything and, you know, and purposely tried to hurt. Sure, that happens. But even then, most are just reacting to their own pain, right? So first, I want to share some of the qualities those of us with the narcissistic parent have. And they're things like people-pleasing, perfectionism, lack of self-trust. You know, you have huge doubt about yourself. You know, you prefer hiding out because of guilt, shame, or fear. You don't want to be criticized. That just makes you feel like a house of cards and you could just go poof and fall down, right? You don't necessarily feel feel very connected to the achievements that you may have even worked your ass off to get to. You, you can't even celebrate in that. And you definitely have insecure attachment styles and relationships, which is why this is on the journey of attachment. And you can painfully enough feel super defective, without value, basically worthless, even though you might have built a mask to show to the rest of the world that you have value and you're awesome, right? People may even say, you're so awesome. And inside you're like, no, I'm not. I suck. Or, oh God, now what? I got to live up to this. I can't live up to this. Or, Or whatever your reaction is. It may not come out, but it's there. So intimacy with others could bring all of these coping mechanisms, all these characteristics, all your fears front and center. It is why so many who have an avoidant or ambivalent tendencies tend to distance or run away because it's that painful. Yeah, I mean, I just look at my whole life when I was younger just as one big dismissal because I also had no value. Like I thought I was worthless um, for years and years and years and Man, oh man, like I see it so clearly. I'm like, oh my gosh. Not that there was so many missed opportunities because I mean, I could look at it that way, but I don't believe that's what life is set up to do to look back and go, that was a missed opportunity. It's you are where you are when you're there and you are where you are now because of the decisions you keep making, right? It's not like the fairy godmother comes down and goes, oh, I'm going to wipe all this away. It's you got to go through it to get to the other side. So As people pleasers, we may do it from a place of keeping things under control because we feel responsible for the treatment we receive because if we, you know, we do something wrong or bad, we can't handle that and we don't want to be accused of it. Like we're, you know, because it makes you feel like you're five years old again, right? And when it's toxic, you know, we still want to keep control. We want to keep things under control. People pleasing, I can keep the most toxic, crazy person under control you know, we, we tend to do these things. I used to do that, right? Oh, I can keep anybody calm. Yeah. And then the inside of me, I would be totally numb or I would have anxiety. It was one 
or the other. It was never, ever, um, you know, feeling my feelings. <laughs> so another thing is not trusting ourselves, being racked with self-doubt, and it keeps, you know coming up because we were invalidated about our own perception of our own feelings, of our own experiences from childhood. Don't feel that way. You're wrong. You shouldn't feel that way. You're bad. Blah, 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 blah. So anyways, we learn not to trust ourselves and our feelings. In fact, they can feel so foreign to us because it's been so long since we put them on lockdown, right? So not trusting ourselves, you know, being completely at this place of, oh my God, these feelings. Like I hear this all the time, especially when it comes to expressing our truth, right? Well, it's our truth. It's what we're experiencing, but we second guess it or we allow other people to step in and have an opinion about our feelings as though that changes them when it does not. So what else? Well, we can have the radar, radar, radar. <laughs> I'm talking too fast. I need to slow down. All right, we can have the radar of everyone around us, you know, that little beeper that goes off, dun, 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 right? We, we tend to be so checked into our surroundings in that way because we want to catch something before all hell could break loose, before anything could go wrong. So for many of us, we did not expect as children to be punished, right? Sometimes you did, of course, sometimes you're doing something and it's like, oh, I shouldn't be doing that. But a lot of times you're not thinking, oh, I should not be doing that. Most of us are not in that mode. I know I wasn't. And I remember being punished or yelled at or, or you know, get a spanking or whatever. And I remember being so surprised, like, whoa, what did I do wrong? I didn't even know I did something wrong. And then, of course, my radar is up because I don't want that shit happening again, right? So... It, it, it's really not, it's, it's, I want to say it's a painful way to live, but it's not thriving. It's surviving, right? We're great at surviving. We know how to survive because we had no idea back then what made us bad, but we're just hyper aware of our surroundings or perfectionism, right? That's all about avoiding criticism or being found out that you have a flaw. And so you've got to be better than everybody else or anything which could be trouble, Right. You may even feel like you could be easily discarded. So whatever that is for you, it's about getting into a place of acceptance, first of all, of all of this, right? But we'll get to that. It's just pretty intense, though, as I'm saying it, right? Because all of this can stem from having a narcissistic parent, you know, feeling you need to hide the good because the bad can happen. That other shoe could drop. So you never fully embrace your success and you run from the spotlight or you might be able to think you can control things in your life by being under the radar, right? We're control freaks because, again, we don't want anything bad to happen. We're just trying to control everything. So if I live in a numb little bubble, I'm alive, but at least nothing bad's happening to me. But then we get into these insecurely attached relationships and then we're like, oh, hell broke loose. Holy shit. I didn't want this to happen. I protected myself and fuck, here I am. Or here I am and I'm running out the door anyway. Or here I am and I'm running out the door, but I might run back because I'm actually attracted to this person. And now I'm going to be a yo-yo. And then you've got somebody else who, of course, might be a little more anxious than you, who's holding on to your heels going, no, don't go, don't go. And it's a mess, right? 
I mean, I've been on both ends of that. That's why I'm an anxious avoidant. Yep, yep, yep. Or whatever you want to call it. So, you know, the problem is with the insecure attachment is that on some level, love is a fucked up idea. Like we don't have a clear idea of what that is or a healthy relationship. So we didn't see it. We don't know it. We have only ideas of it from movies, maybe other people. And again, this is our perception. So who the hell knows? So feeling different or weird, unlovable are all from childhood, right? The inner critic, of course, is keeping this shit alive, trying to protect you. That's the inner critic's purpose. Believing everything is just your fault just reinforces the desire for distance. And at the same time, we want closeness. We want to be accepted because we're weird or different or unlovable. And that's so hard to find when we're looking outside of ourselves, right? Right. So what's an example? A wonderful example, right? Okay, you cannot figure out why the moment you started dating someone you fear, they will want more than you can give. You fear you're going to be overwhelmed by their list of needs and you already feel like you will let them down. You start looking for something to be wrong with them and it gives you an excuse to run. Or perhaps you meet someone and you're attracted to them and you feel the oh shit feeling. (laughs) I remember that feeling of I'm going to be attached But you're not saying the words, I'm going to be attached. I mean, I think I said, oh, fuck, I'm in trouble. I've said that. But that was basically, I knew I was going to, I was just screwed. So you're attached already at that point, right? So you start playing games to gain back control of yourself. And the idea is to keep the person around, but just so you feel you don't care. So you work hard on manipulating that outcome. Yeah, you ever done that? Oh, that was my whole goal. Whoever cares less wins. And that was what I would try to do is care less, care less, care less so that I could gain back control of myself and I would work hard on manipulating to get that outcome. So in relationships, the example is look for the emotional unavailability between you and your partner. Like I gave dating examples, but look at you and your partner. Look at the emotional unavailability. It's not just one person's fault. It's water seeking its own level. All right. Call to action. You can have joy. The toxicity you were raised in is now a choice when it comes to how you want to live. It is a choice, my friends. All right. Okay, so this is a story about me. It's a long story, uh, but uh, it's a good story because I think it's relatable and that's why I'm sharing it. So hopefully this will help somebody listening or many people listening. My adulthood of all these traits, oh yeah, all the shit I mentioned, I have worn that hat, okay? So it's something I could not have grouped together if it had not been for my own determination to get to a better place. Like I had to get so inside of myself to see this shit clearly, right? Because I knew I didn't feel good. I knew I felt bad and I couldn't believe that this was how the rest of the world felt, whether they were in a relationship or not in one. Okay. So my parents over the years have provided several moments of still treating me as they did when I was a child. Yes. Yes. There are those moments where they seem to think that, you know, they can treat me as they did when I was five years old. So one who could not obviously handle the impact she had on others, you know, my mother, and whatever their emotional reaction would be to her actions, she would need to turn it around and make it the other person's fault. And a lot of times that would be me 
in situations that had anything to do with me. I had to be the one that was at fault. The other one, being my father, never took anybody's feelings seriously unless his wife was freaking out. And then he would do whatever he had to to keep the peace. But he basically was the enabler of bad behavior. And of course, because she always felt like he had no clue and you know was clueless about feelings. And after years of beating him up over and over and over about it, it's, oh, she's right, everybody else is wrong. He has had zero interest in what actually has happened and that he just needs everybody to do whatever it is she wants because she's right and fuck the world, right? So anyways, here I am, and it's been over a year now since I was married for my second time. Yep, it has been. It is just like time is flying. Jeez Louise, right? And it's been a weird relationship with my parents uh, since before the wedding and now. And it was weird before, of course. (laughs) But it is something that has made me come more face-to-face with myself than I was before. Who knew that could happen? Thought I'd gotten there. Surprise, surprise. So... I exhibited, like I said, everything I described to you guys in the beginning. That was me, and I'd grown out of so much of that. And in doing so, and growing over the years, especially, I would say, probably the last five to seven years, you know, more and more, because the breakdowns between my mother and I happen more on a regular basis. Um, They used to happen less frequently, at least in my early adulthood. So, anyway... As I am growing, it's created distance with them. And I don't know that there's a way I could have prevented any of it. I guess the only way I could have prevented any of this from happening is to swallow my feelings, you know, my anger, my pain, my sorrow, all of it, and try unsuccessfully to stay sort of kind of connected in a way that honored everything about her and threw me to the gutter once again. And I can't do those things anymore. Like, I can't even try to do those things. It doesn't even work. I can't just suck my feelings down and say, I don't have any feelings. And, and it's not even just my feelings. It's um, my husband has feelings about all of this, too, you know. And my father likes to think that, well, you know, this is something you don't understand because you're new to the family. And it's like, no, it's not that. He's just observing this. And he never has seen anything so bizarre because he didn't grow up this way. And he doesn't have these kind of family issues. So, yeah. So there's nothing that ever was that way. But, you know, I also come from the perception based on what my father has shared with me is that I'm the one that's delusional and they are not. And it's all my problem and it has been since the day I was born. And this has nothing to do with them. Okay. So, anyways... Then I would, you know, that's why I'm saying, like, how could I swallow all that, right? Because it would put me into a space of rage within. And, you know, that's the kind of stuff that kills you, right? And so there's always a scab that would form and, and, you know, it gets removed because new situations, as you know from other podcasts, mean that there's beliefs that I may not have confronted elsewhere and that they need to be confronted here. So the pattern since I was a kid was to be in a yo-yo relationship with my parents, cast out, brought in. I always had to take responsibility for whatever set my mother off, like I just said. And even it was her own shit, it was, oh no, Tracy, you have to apologize. You have to make it better. Because you had a reaction to what she threw at you. Oh, okay. So, (laughs) you know, so we could play in the sandbox together again, right? 
So there were times that she deliberately lied to me, hung up on me, disowned me, blamed me for things I did not do. Or even if I did something, it was her shitty behavior that I had to apologize for. At least that is what my father wanted. And so in not falling into this dynamic again, which I'm not, and trying to navigate how to have these people in my life, it's been a challenge. Not that I will take any responsibility for her feelings, because I won't. They don't belong to me. And her perception about things is her problem and not mine. And, you know, I also had to take responsibility for the fact that I would even longingly look at other dysfunctional families who, even though shit happened, no one was kicking their kid to the curb, you know, or I also for years had hoped it would change and it won't. And I know it won't. And I know that on a deep emotional level, like I get it. I don't delude myself. You know, I had people, I don't know how it was. Well, I was going to say when I was a kid and as I got older, and even recently, you know, who would go, is your mom jealous of you? And they've never entertained that idea. Like, I just shut that down immediately. And if she is, she is. I don't know. You know, maybe of the freedom that she perceives I have or something. But anyways, maybe the relationship I have with my own kids, I don't know. But finding ways to not accept me, you know, has been a big thing in myself. Because I always had this judge and like at times my mother would seem supportive and have words of encouragement. And there were times, you know, where she's done that. But then sooner or later it explodes. And then I'm told that I'm selfish or that it's all about me. And, um, you know, her actions would then prove the opposite. Like she'd say one thing and her actions were another. And my dad did that too. So I was really, you know, brought up with this whole feeling about words and actions. And I would trust other people. You know, I would trust and go, oh... Well, they said this, so it must mean something. I must be the fucked up one. For years, I did this, right? And that's why I'm sharing all this. That's why this is a long podcast. Because it was just such a big subject. So anyways, it became difficult for me to navigate how to proceed. And of course, finding that I had rage that was lit up from the entire drama around my wedding. I've been trying to be compassionate with myself. Say what is true and go forth. That's what I've done. So whatever moment that was at... That is what I would have to do. So, yeah, I have shared, you know, I forgave them and I accepted them. And that was followed basically by an email on my birthday saying that they know reality and that my perception is wrong. And that is the cause of all the problems, you know, is my wrong perception of them. I'm delusional, of course. I'm, I'm the one. And I showed it to my husband who was just like, what the fuck? You know, and my kids, what the fuck? <laughs> you know, like, oh, this is a nice birthday email. That's cool. Um, and it was because I sent a card earlier in the week thanking them and telling them I forgave them and accepted them. And that, hey, if things hadn't been the way they were, I probably would never have gone on this path to finding my own happiness. It wasn't insulting, but, you know, I guess they could have taken it in an insulting way. Um, you could take anything in an insulting way if you're looking for that, right? We can all find shit when we're looking for it. So, um, you know, but I had done that because I felt like, you know, I think I've really come to a place. I mean, I totally have come to a place of accepting things are the way they are. And, and that's just it. You know, I can't solve this problem because it's not solvable. You know, I, a couple weeks ago, had been sitting in this little yoga room where I do all of my videotaping and stuff and um we have twinkle lights and so at night you know I couldn't sleep one night because 
I'm at the time of my life where I wake up in a pool of sweat. So, you know, I came in here and I was looking at the lights and I was just like kind of feeling these things and I was smiling and realizing how much joy I had in my life and like really fe feeling forgiving about my parents and all of that. And I had a real peace. And my husband came in because he's just adorable. You know, he's like, honey, what are you doing up? And then I told him and, you know, he sits there and he listens to me at 2.30 in the morning, which is really awesome. Because uh, I don't ask him to. That's just what he does. And um, he's just so wonderful in so many ways. So anyways, that's where I come from in sending them a card. So then I got that email on my birthday. And the email didn't ruin my birthday. What actually was more, I would say, of a trigger was the day before, my daughter had shown me an awkward text message from my mother and this was in response to a text message she had sent to my parents saying that we all wanted to get together for lunch. And my daughter decided to do this because I had sent a text a few weeks ago saying we all wanted to get together for lunch. And my mother never responded to me. So weeks went by. And my daughter was frustrated. And she's like, what is the deal? You know? And I go, well, I guess, you know, if you want to see them, then you should probably message them. I said, just... You know, she doesn't want to see me. And that's that's okay, you know. And then, um, so my daughter did reach out to her and got an immediate response. And my mother was all excited to see them. And, you know, it basically said everybody's name but mine and my husband's as far as who she wanted to see. And in her mind, that's okay. And in my daughter's mind and my kids' minds, they're like, what the fuck? This is really awkward, mom. We want you there. They don't want to be in the middle of it. They find it weird. They don't know how to respond because I didn't raise them that way, right? That was kind of how they were seeing it. And I'm like, look, do not put yourself in an awkward position. You can see them. You don't need to try and fix what is happening here because you can't because nobody can. I mean, it's just the way it is, right? So... Anyway, so after getting, you know, looking at the text message that my daughter shared with me and then the email, I noticed that the next three mornings I woke up at four in the morning. And I was thinking about this at four in the morning. That's what woke me up were these thoughts, unfortunately, you know. So anyways, I decided at four in the morning, one of those days, that I needed to respond. And I needed to respond in a way that I said what was true for me, okay? And I am sharing this because it's hard to do certain things like say, hey, so, cause my dad, you know, is talking about how he knows reality and, you know, and um, I'm thinking, well, you're a philosopher in many ways, that was your minor in college and here we are and you're saying things that if you, really are about philosophy you wouldn't be saying right so so whatever anyways I um I ended up saying what I had never told my parents which is that therapists have said my mother was a narcissist and he's an enabler and I you know I said and there are studies and articles and other things out there that really stand behind it and the greatest result is me I am that person no, I did not come into this world like this. I didn't create this myself. As much as my dad would always say, I did. And, um, and so in this letter, I just laid it out like these different realities. And I wasn't, you know, name calling. I wasn't, oh my God, you're horrible people or anything like that. 
I was just calling out the different realities about all sorts of different things in the last year. And because there's this idea that somehow I have been the one who is wrong. And I have felt that feeling from childhood inside of me. And when I wrote this letter, I took responsibility for myself and my rage and all my feelings. And I also took responsibility for the fact that, yeah, as a child, I was a victim of sorts because you're a kid. You don't know. I wish I had compassion. I wish I had known as a kid, but I didn't. But as an adult, I'm not a victim. And as an adult, and I told them this, like, I'm not here to say this to blame you. I'm trying to show you a picture because I need to do this for me. I don't need a response. Or if you want to respond, cool. If you want to think these things of me, that's fine. I left that whole door wide open. And I told them that. I'm like, this is not to convince you of anything. It wasn't. It was for me to express what was true for me. What has been inside of me. And the reason I hadn't wanted to was because I didn't want to come across like I'm labeling them and wanting them to do something about it because I don't, it doesn't matter. If they do something about it, that would be a minor miracle, but I'm not looking for that. Okay. So I'm explaining this because a lot of times we get confused about speaking your truth and blaming. And I made really, I I was very clear. I mean, um, you know, my husband read it, my kids read it after I had sent it, I shared it with them and everybody's like, wow, that was a really good letter. I'm like, okay, Um, you know, and and my son was like, yeah, you didn't blame them. You mean you mentioned this and yet you weren't blaming. And I'm like, of course not, because that's not going to help me. This is to help me by my own expression, which is like basically sending, you know, this email to a wall. Okay, like there is no expectation at all. And that's why when you express yourself, part of like all that stuff I was mentioning in the beginning You're starting to take ownership of your real feelings. It's not about the other people. It's about you at that point. It's what am I doing for you? It was uncomfortable. This wasn't easy for me. I had to say things in a way where I kept taking responsibility over and over and over and over and over. Okay. At the same time, also drawing out what had actually happened as far as the circumstances. Because I needed to say that for me. So that is the important part. You want to reown your feelings. You want to reown who you are. You want to be able to trust yourself. And it is doing things like this that allow us to do that. Because in my life with my parents, I'm already alienated. There are times where we're talking again. I don't know if that'll happen. But those times, it was just a matter of time till it went back to the alienating, right? Yeah. So what's the happy ending? Well, the happy ending is I'm happier than I've ever been. And my goal is more joy each day. My parents, there's no expectation of an apology or any validation. I don't see it. And I have to heal whatever is still there. Um, You know, and I have basically forgiven them. Even when I'm saying this today, I just feel like I've totally accepted it. And that is where it's at. You know, I'm not trying to get anywhere. And if something changes, great. So, you know, whatever happens, happens. And... For me, I no longer feel a sense of I have to abandon myself or I have to please somebody else that I can't please. That never works anyways. And I don't do this with any relationship anymore. I don't do a lot of these things anymore, you know, and not because I'm forcing myself not to. It's just they don't exist because I have been connecting and doing this work with myself for so long 
you know, that even when I am triggered like this, I still can step through it and walk through it. And it isn't something that kills a whole day or kills a whole week or kills a whole month or takes me down into the rabbit hole. I didn't go into the rabbit hole. I don't go to the rabbit hole anymore because I don't carry this burden. But having any kind of trigger from it is always good. It's great. It's growth. And just remember that it's always about the growth. Call to action. You can have joy. The toxicity you were raised in is now a choice when it comes to how you want to live. Why is this important? It matters to work through these patterns and get rid of the toxic hold narcissism has on you. You want to shift your beliefs. You want emotional freedom. I have emotional freedom. I do. I am now working on a deeper sense of joy. And that's what you also want. Because that's why we're the fuck alive. Hello! Right? (laughs) But hey, I know what you're thinking. I do not know how to get rid of these things I do. How I feel about myself and the fear of abandonment I have if I change anything. No one will want me. I get it. I do. I have these fears too. But it's not true. You can get out of the grip of this old entanglement. I promise you that. So here's three tips. First one. Look at where you are most hung up in your beliefs about yourself. Is it perfectionism? Is it people-pleasing? Shying away from your own anger? What is it? Just choose one. You know, you can go back to what I was talking about at the beginning. Choose one of those things. Next, take the one thing that seems to be leading your life where you don't want to go and sit with it. Look at all the ways you use it, where it shows up, and how it makes you feel. Track this for a few days. You can even write bullet points in your journal. I think that can be really helpful because when you look back and you reflect, you can see a pattern coming. And to me, that's so important because you're seeing yourself more clearly. So number three, once you have awareness of how this operates, now you can do something about it. You can take an emotionally risky action in the face of it. Meaning what would feel scary to you? Feel the fear and do it. Yes, do it. Don't hide your emotions. Don't numb out. Don't compartmentalize. Do it and feel it. Start breaking down this pattern now. Why wait, right? Call to action one last time. You can have joy. The toxicity you were raised in is now a choice when it comes to how you want to live. Alrighty. You have a universal right. You have the right to stay. Excuse me. I'm going to talk too fast again. You have the right to be stuck in your childhood for the rest of your life. Or you can take advantage to change the way you show up and what you do now. All right, I got two related podcasts. Number 391, Journey of Attachment, I Feel Sorry for Me, I'm with a Narcissist. And number 383, Journey of Attachment, Change Your Story, Change Your Life. Well, hey, that was exciting, right? That was long, I know. But I feel like that was one of the things where it's just totally worth it because it is life-changing. You know, breaking these patterns and all the hold that narcissism has on you is key to joy, is key to emotional freedom. It's having healthy relationships, all of it, it's related. So anyways, if you got questions or you wanna put a topic out there, please go ahead and email podcast at tracycrossley.com. And I will answer questions on Facebook Live, which is every Thursday at 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time and noon Eastern Time. And I really don't ever get to emails. I do appreciate getting them, but it does take me a long time to get back to people. Um, And sometimes I don't. And it's not because I don't want to. It's because (laughs) my inbox is a little busy inbox. So anyways, um, and if you are struggling and you know that you could use the help, especially when it comes to breaking the shit up when it comes to narcissism, I have all of these wonderful programs. I mean, it's not like a ton of them. But it's enough that if you do it, you're going to see a difference in your life. You're going to feel a change. You're going to know 
you are moving to the next place with yourself in your life. And it's transformative. The work I do is transformative. It transformed me. It has transformed hundreds of thousands of people. It's probably now in the thousands. I was thinking about it since I've been doing this 11 years. Yeah, that's kind of crazy actually, right? But it is. And I've had a ton of clients and people in groups and all that. And I will tell you that people will say, and this is funny, <laughs> I have your voice in my head wherever I go, Tracy. So, you know, it's not necessarily that I want that, but until you get the training wheels off, sometimes that helps, right? But it's really about taking action. And I could keep going on, but I'm going to stop talking now and let you guys go. Have a good one. Bye-bye. Questions about today's show? Reach out to Tracy at info at tracycrossley.com. And if you're listening on iTunes, please leave a five-star rating for the show so it can be heard by more people. For all things Tracy, check out tracycrossley.com. <laughs>